0: On the when I woke up this morning, I feel pretty dangerous. Welcome back to DraftVice. Welcome back to DraftVice. Welcome back to DraftVice, yeah. We're here. We're back. We're doing it. And uh, we're almost done. We're almost done with the 2020 NFL Draft. Well, of all my coverage of it, I will still talk about it for years on end. We'll never be done. They'll always be in our hearts, but... The 2020 NFL Draft is almost in the books today. We're doing two teams tomorrow, three, a triple header. And then we will be done with the 2020 NFL Draft for good. Yo, I'm telling you, man, this is going to be crazy. And it's great. I like it. I love that. I'm. Uh, I, I've loved covering this draft. It was. Uh, it was a fun cycle. A lot of great players. And while we're doing it uh, today, you know, I might as well start going into what we're talking about because it's going to be a good episode. Because I haven't talked about one of these teams at all in this offseason, and they've had an intriguing offseason. I always say that, intriguing, right? Oh, intriguing, isn't it? Yes, I like to use that word. It's a nice little stopgap word. And while we're at it, the two teams we're talking about today, uh, the Tennessee Titans, right? Oh, yes, the the team in Nashville, the, the team of the Ryan Tannehill, and the New York football Jets, not Giants, Jets, the New York Jets, everybody. We have tons of fans of the Jets on this podcast, and we'll have them back on uh, when we are at full, full strength and power. Uh, Unfortunately, the podcast is still having a little bit of COVID-19 syndrome uh, technology-wise, if you will. So we uh so I will get some some Jets fans on this podcast. Don't you worry, we'll talk about it. We'll have some uh, some new episodes coming up where we will get to talk more about how people feel about their fandoms going into the year. And while we're at it, since we're on the subject, let's talk about the Tennessee Titans, all right? We'll talk about the Jets later. Start right off with the Tennessee Titans. That's not even a, that's not even their song. I don't know what it is. I don't know why you went with that. Let's go with it, right? Tennessee Titans, oh, my God. They've had the – they lost Marcus Mariota. Why? Because they had Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill blew up for them. So, there you go. Mike Vrabel and Robinson go ahead, go into this offseason. They say, listen, man, we had a great run game. Everybody – nobody had the Titans as, like, a potential playoff contender in the offseason last year, right? They were kind of the forgotten sleeper team. Last couple of years, they've been making it there. Whether it was uh, – Mike Malarkey being the head coach there, wherein he went 9-7 and seven multiple years with them and made them get into the playoffs, or when it's been Mike Vrabel the last two years with 9-7 playoff contending teams. Uh, again, now we have this, uh, you know, you have Ryan Tannehill there. They gave him a four-year extension. They... Uh, they, they let Jack Conklin leave in free agency. The Browns are very much thankful for that. They they signed Dennis Kelly to an extension. Uh, he's been kind of a, a swing offensive lineman for him, has played pretty decently in spot starts. So he's there. Uh, they went ahead and, uh, you know, so they extended him. His deal was a three, year seven, uh, three years, uh, $21 million deal. He's going to be, you know, basically you're paying him half the price you would pay to keep Jack Conklin, who got to walk because they didn't, exercise the fifth year option last year because they didn't do it because he had some injury issues they didn't know if he'd ever come back to full full capacity as far as being as good of an offensive lineman plus you don't want to be on the hook for the fifth year option injury guarantee understandable to an extent I was still shocked by it when it happened last year you could pull up the podcast you could go back in our uh you can go back and watch all the the video between me and Shane we're talking about the fifth year option episode last year so uh again we uh we have the Tennessee Titans. We got Mike Vrabel. They they extend uh they extend our boy Ryan Tannehill. Marcus Mariota goes to the Raiders. And what else do they do? They go ahead. They get uh they, they get a ta- they get a, a a tackle in the draft, right? First round pick. They take Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia, right? We're jumping right into their draft. Then we'll go back to their free agency for a little bit to go over some of the pieces that left, some of the replacements they got in the draft. Isaiah Wilson, a big man, 6'6", 350 pounds, thirty six inch arms, humongous. That's giant. Yeah, but he's not a giant. He's a titan. So even still, those things are huge too. I've heard titans are supposed to be big. Cronus and Uranus; those were all big titans. Now you got, uh, now you got Isaiah Wilson to be one of the great Greek titans as well, or Tennessee titans. So yeah, I, I liked watching his tape. He was, uh, you know, he was the other Georgia Bulldog offensive lineman that went in the first round. Uh, the other one was Andrew Thomas. He went in the top five. He went to the Giants. He, now we're going back into this little cycle of weirdness. Anyway, Isaiah Wilson, great run blocker. Uh, a little stiff in the hips, if you will, but he's a good power blocker. Right, He's good in the run game. Uh, I'm not sure if this – you know, we had Shane on. He was saying they were actually maybe, you know, uh, maybe they ran what they ran last year because of the scheme it was it was fitting of what was working for them. You know, they lost Matt LaFleur. He went over to the Packers. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then Arthur Smith came in, and they kept some of the playbook from what they had from Matt Lafleur, and they said, "Let's do a lot more. Let's keep doing the outside zone stuff, and we'll keep doing the run blocking there." Uh, another thing to note, they did a franchise tag uh, Derek Henry, and uh, which is kind of not how I would have done things. We'll talk about how I feel about their free agency in a little bit, um, and then letting Jack Conklin walk felt like kind of a little bit of a, a, a weird mixture of weirdness, if you will um but again let's go back to isaiah wilson right they were happy with him he'll come in he'll compete with dennis kelly and tyson Brelo for that right tackle job tyson Brelo was a a tackle who they signed for agency as well uh you know they liked his proportion they thought he was powerful he's tough to get around in the pass game and i mean like yeah when you're 6'6 350 pounds you are going to be hard to get by uh and, and he was pretty decent in pass blocking he's gonna hold up really well to to bull rushes he, he did that really well it's guys who had speed around the edge that kind of gave him a little bit of a, a problem and also guys who had a good kind of counter move like guys who had a spin move guys who can go ahead and counter back to the inside uh those were the things that gave him a hard time but i honestly liked him a lot he was kind of like you know not for nothing i don't think this was too much of a reach he was kind of like my round two tackle like if you were gonna not take a guy in the first round i thought isaiah wilson was perfect to take in the second round so, listen, if you're the Tennessee Titans, your, your second round pick's a lot lower. So you're like, you know what, we essentially have a, you know, it depends on whether you feel like this guy was comfortable enough to take as far uh, as a top 50 pick. And I would not, like, if you were a team that picked, uh, you know, 48 and you took Isaiah Wilson, I would have been totally down for it 100%, taking him, you know, in the, the top 32 picks I think will raise a lot of eyebrows but depends on what you're doing if you're going to run a scheme that fits what he does well he is a very good scheme specific right tackle he uh and I, I think it's a good thing to get a mixture of guys in that room they are really trying to attack a position that they lost in free agency we see this again later on in their second round pick Christian Fulton fell to them in the second round uh LSU corner they were very appreciative of getting him. They lost Logan Ryan in free agency. Apparently Fulton played a little bit of slot when he was in college as well. So they might get him in the slot. They might get him outside and have a Dory Jackson kick inside. Uh they also have Malcolm Butler there. So they're 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 attacking their needs that they lost in free agency with the draft, which you do see sometimes. And these aren't glaring needs, right? You know, they also signed Kevin Johnson uh, not Kevin, no, um the other Texans cornerback who has uh, been there forever. Jonathan Joseph, uh, in his 30s, going to the Tennessee Titans, gives them another weapon, another piece to add to that that room to go ahead and say, all right, we got a, a bunch of corners. We have two guys that we feel really good about, two guys we feel we can come and, can come and compete and play a good role. I, I like their, their method here. They, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily like always attacking need in the draft, but when you don't have a lot of needs and the draft fits, fits what you want to do, Kind of makes sense. You know, you're taking a right tackle. Isaiah Wilson, this big, athletic, strong uh, bulldozer of a tackle. Like, he was he was actually maybe more fun to watch than Andrew Thomas. Like, if you watch some of his blocks, dude, he was just – he looked like a wall. Like, he just looked like, oh, my God, that is just a hard guy to get around. Kind of like – I was shocked he didn't get more hype when you compare, like, him to Makai Becton. Because Mikay Becton was good, but again, like it was, I felt like he's kind of he had a, a few of those things, and we're going to talk about Mikay Becton. But what a lot of people talk about that they like about Mikay Becton felt like Isaiah Wilson did pretty well too. I felt like maybe the thing with Mikay Becton is he was a little bit more well. A he went in the top twelve. He went to the Jets at eleven, but also he was better. He was a better mover, if you will. He he had a little bit uh, more fluid movement. Isaiah Wilson seems to be a little stiff, if you will. So. uh... I don't know. I I like the player. They seem to be very high on him. Christian Fulton, again, another guy. They looked into the fit of the room. Uh, He can play both man and zone. Uh, He's going to come in and compete with the guys on the roster. Uh, He's got good size, speed. He's tough. Uh, He did have a suspension in college, and they went back and talked to all the guys at LSU to kind of get an idea of why he was suspended. Did he learn anything from it? Um, And they seem to be okay with... uh, with what what they heard from the coaches. Uh, They they were uh, tempted to trade up. Uh, They were fortunate in the second round to get Fulton, but they actually were fortunate enough that he kind of just fell to them anyway. Um, And then in in the third round, they took Darrington Evans, right, at App State, right? They liked his skill set, like his character. He's going to be kind of a rotational guy behind Derrick Henry. You know, you franchise-tagged him, but you need a guy to kind of be – the, like the the change up guy, the guy, you know they're hoping he's going to be a pass catcher out of the backfield for him. He didn't do a lot of it when he was at App state. but they felt like the way his uh, his uh, lateral movement when he coming out you know being a running back, they felt like there's some of his movement skills that they feel like could adapt to route running. So that's what they said. I, that's intriguing to kind of look at that as that projection. Third round, you're kind of looking at spots of like, all right, who's the the best player available that we feel like fills somewhat of a need? They lost Dion Lewis. He went to the Giants. Uh, they feel like Darrington Evans can play special teams, they wanted to see if he had you know if he could add to that receiving ability and again he gives them a speed element right they have the big tank in Derrick Henry now you have another guy who's going to give it a little bit of juice right like the not necessarily as fast as Philip Lindsay but a Philip Lindsay kind of role on their roster uh, and again they like this skill set they like the role they like having him you know use him out of the backfield he's kind of a one cut runner but they like what they they see on tape with him, and they think that he can add to that running back room, right? And you used a, a third round pick on him. You're probably thinking he ha- he can add a lot to that room. Then they didn't have a pick in the fourth round. They had a fifth round pick and two seventh round. Actually, they had three seventh round picks. We'll talk about the third seventh round pick that they didn't end up using. But the fifth seventh uh, the fifth pick uh the fifth round pick was Edge Larral uh Merc Mercout. Mer- Kau- oh my God, I'm butchering it. I usually just hammer through Murchison. Murchison, yep. Yeah, out of NC State, they really liked him. He was, uh, he was actually kind of like on their board from like day, like when they got done with day two, they were looking at day three. They're like, please let this guy be here. Please let this guy be here. And he made it all the way down to them, right? Uh, he played all along the line of scrimmage. They feel like he's going to be versatile. He has good size, length, speed, athletic strength. They loved everything about him as far as what he can be as a prospect. And, again, in the fifth round, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to go for the athletes that maybe can develop a lot of the time. You're trying to get a guy who, listen, maybe he could play on the edge opposite Harold Landry, or maybe he could play th- uh, as a DN. You know, you're trying to get him to play. Like, all, You're trying to get guys who can maybe develop into roles. So I like what they did here. Uh, you know, and there might have been other guys that you felt like as far as position was, but in the fifth round, a lot of those guys, once you get to the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds, these are usually the the the, the times where you're not getting necessarily, you know, guys who are going to make the roster. You're really just trying to take dart throws at this point. Uh, and then they went ahead and they signed Cole McDonald at Hawaii, good sized guy, athleticism. Uh, you know, he, they said he has all the tools that uh, you know to to kind of make it work. Uh, you know, they, they want to work with him. They're excited to mold him. And, uh, you know, the, the one issue they saw with him and a lot of people saw with him was his long release. Uh, he played in Hawaii, so you're not really getting to see him against, like, really necessarily high-end competition all the time. And, again, I think they were intrigued by this guy. You're taking a, a shot. You know, you have Tannehill. Now you want to get a guy in there, a young guy. You know, A, you know, there's a developmental guy, Camp body. Maybe he develops into a backup. Uh, their last pick was Chris Jackson. at a Marshall, athletic, had 35 pass break uh, had 35 pass breakups and uh, picks between them. Uh, runs well. He, uh, he worked. Yeah, again, this is another guy who's athletic. He's going to come in. He's going to compete for a corner spot. Uh, worked to carve out a role. Has special teams uh, potential. Uh, good dropping his way at the top of routes. Just you know, again, another defensive back to add to that what they do and and their defense has got you know again we saw last year their defense was good their their run game was good they were able to develop a team that really was, was quite impressive now the question is after all these moves and by the way they trade their other seventh round pick to the Kansas City Chiefs for a sixth round pick next year why not go ahead and build up for next year's draft right uh Kansas City calls you answer sometimes uh, it is important to note that the Titans president and CEO Steve Underwood announced that he was stepping down. He retired. This was right after the draft. Uh, the We talked about fifth-year options, right? Uh, Corey Davis, his option was declined. Uh, they exercised Dory Jackson's uh, fifth-year option. Kind of intriguing, right? You know, Corey Davis was talked about a lot, and it's honestly, I don't think he's been a bust. So the real problem is, is that where, when you pick, you know, a guy in the high area of the first round, you are now going to have to pay him very uh, a lot on the fifth year option. So, and we talked about this on the fifth year option show, uh, so we won't go too deep into it. This is kind of the one time we talked about the Titans in this offseason. Unfortunately, I didn't get to do their Looking Forward episode. It was one of the two that didn't make it to us doing the the draft. It was literally the week of. Uh, but, not for nothing, just means that there's more for us to talk about right now, everybody. Um, you know, they trade away Jerrell Casey. I've talked about, and I, keep in mind, i talked about all the trades in the news and everything, too, uh, in the past. They trade away Jarrell Casey. Uh, we talked about before they lost Jack Conklin. They lost Logan Ryan. They lost Marcus Mariota. Uh, they released Delaney Walker, everybody. The, the stalwart of that team for years. He he had 30 different like, – he had all the rookies and all the guys throwing him the ball. He never really got to be, like, in that really high-end spot. Had some injury issues the last few years. You know, they probably felt like he wasn't living up to his contract. He probably wanted to stay with him because, again, like, you know what, just make it to the end of your career with someone. But, uh, no, I like Delaney Walker. I hope that he lands in a good spot. I don't think he's actually signed with anybody yet. Uh, and, like I said before, they trade Jarrell Casey to the Broncos for a seventh-round pick. You know, they have a, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, who they drafted last year, who came on really strong almost right away uh, into the NFL, which is good as far as the defensive lineman goes. That guy, if he didn't tear his ACL and have some off-field question marks, he probably would have went top ten. So between the torn ACL and the off-the-field, the fact that he fell them late in the first round the last year gave them a real bonus of a player who came on. when he, you know, and They weren't even expecting to get much out of him this year, and he played really well in the games that he came in for. Um, they did sign some guys, but they didn't sign—I like guess I mentioned before, they signed Jonathan Joseph, formerly a Texan, much older guy— uh, Abraham Campbell, formerly of the Packers, has been all over the place, been in the Browns, been all over, you know, the Jets. He, he is a uh, He's one of those, like, kind of backup, you know, fringe starter guys that if you need a guy, you can throw him in there. Uh, they signed Vic Beasley. I feel like that was the biggest one that they did as far as their free agent signings. Uh, and I thought that was intriguing, right, because you have Harold Landry there. You know, you, you don't have Jarrell Casey, but you have Simmons – uh, you have a good core of uh, of defensive linemen. So it was, you know, to take a $9.5 million flyer in Vic Beasley for a one-year deal, you know, you have that ability to maybe see if he turns into something. Maybe he wasn't being utilized in Atlanta. I think there's a good argument that maybe he didn't fit Atlanta's scheme. You know, again, he kind of was, uh, was more of the Bruce Irvin role in Atlanta, and maybe there's a, a way to utilize him that maybe is not What the the Falcons were doing, Um, and then you know they they signed a couple of guards from the XFL who have been in the NFL before Avery Jennerson, Zach Kieran. You know again you want to build up you know some of the pieces on this team. We talked about that. the The big things were I think the re signings, right? Because basically they lost guys and they had to kind of bring you know keep some of the guys on their their team. They they did sign Jack Crawford formerly of the of the uh, Falcons, Tyson Brelo of the Falcons. Uh, so they're going after some Falcons players, apparently. And You know, Cy brelo has been kind of more of a backup kind of guy. Uh, Jack Crawford, you know, again, depth defensive lineman. You got rid of Drell Casey. His, you know, maybe it was more of a contract dump as well. Get some younger guys and cheaper guys in the room. Be able to fix your salary cap situation. Uh, they re-signed uh, Kamali Carrera, who was actually drafted by the Baltimore Ravens and then traded to the Tennessee Titans. And he was a fourth-round pick, and he actually played pretty well for him last year. Uh, and, and again, this is, you know, their moves, if you look at it, they didn't make any splash moves. Why? Because they were the team that people were picking from, right? Logan Ryan, and Jack Conklin, and now they're, they're trying to take, like, you know, some flyer hits of guys that are like, hey, maybe we can turn this into something more valuable. So again, that, that's what you have to do when you're a good team is you have to build off this. Now, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of what the Titans did in this offseason. They franchise tagged Derrick Henry. They gave Ryan Tannehill a really big extension, like a 4 year. They are committed um because they're committed unless they want to take hits at certain points. Like again, like the the way that this contract is formatted, it's yeah, it's it's not bad on a year-to-year basis. But when you look at like, okay, what if you want to get rid of him? If you want to cut early on the contract, you're gonna take a $30 million hit in the given year that you're cutting him. Because the the year, the following year's salary pretty much guarantees. Um so his his contract situation was weird. I don't know if I would have given him a four-year contract. I feel like I would have franchise tagged Ryan Tannehill and I would have been more in I would have been more interested in letting Derek Henry get their walk. Or see if I can give him a deal. Or, again, like I would have rather re-signed Jack Conklin if I'm the Titans. Now, since I'm a Browns fan, I'm very, very happy that they did that. But, nonetheless, I thought it was a, uh, a weird move to sign the running back and let the tackle walk. Uh, maybe this is their way of saying, listen, we understand that tackle's a position of high value. We're going to attack it differently. We're going to utilize multiple assets including a cheaper tackle option in Dennis Kelly, and we're also going to draft a guy, and then we'll also sign a free agent guy to compete there that has been relatively more of a backup role kind of player, Tyson Braylow. All those are, you know, that that is a strategy. I actually kind of like the idea that, that, is, that that's a, the strategy, though, because uh, when you are attacking something like that, you are saying, listen, we, we understand, but it's going to be expensive. And then you look at Conklin's deal, and it's almost entirely like guaranteed. Like All three years of his deal is guaranteed for the Browns, right? So $14 million a year for three years compared to – they're definitely spending less. I don't know how much less, actually, but they have now three tackles. Now, I don't think any of them are as good as Jack Conklin. But, no, I mean, I think you might eventually be able to develop Isaiah Wilson into something that – can be similar to what Jack Conklin was. I think there's still going to be a drop-off, even at Isaiah Wilson's top end. But, you know, you could still get it from him. I think you can still get a very good tackle. You know, we saw this Orlando Brown, right? Wasn't necessarily athletic, but he he's developed and been very good for, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, and he fell to them in the third round, where, honestly, that was combine that kind of sold everybody to go, like, you know what, we don't want this guy. That was a really bad combine. Um, Looking at their roster, man I, I'm telling you, right? They got uh, Derek Henry uh, they're, So they're probably going to still Stick to kind of their running scheme And the, the run first, running style, some play action Ryan Tannehill uh, There isn't really anybody behind Ryan Tannehill, though Logan Woodside, Cole McDonald, not really big names uh, Kind of a worry When you think about it Because what was the issue when they had Marcus Mariota? He was injured What was the problem with Ryan Tannehill When he was in Miami? He was injured Uh, the receiving core, right? We talked about Corey Davis not getting his fifth-year option picked up. I thought he's played relatively pretty well, but I don't think he played that to the level that they feel comfortable with him going forward as far as giving – you know, if they want to, they can always give him a contract extension later, hit him with the transition tag, uh, you know, extend him during the season if they really want him. Uh, they probably didn't feel like it gave them as much negotiating power to have that fifth-year option on Corey Davis' deal if they were, say, to extend him. And maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just let him walk. Because, again, they have A.J. Brown, who came on really strong for them last year, has played very much like a Des Bryant kind of player. You know, will do a fight for the ball uh, Doesn't really look like the fastest guy on the field, which I was shocked. I thought he was actually a bit faster when he played. You know, like both between his combine and college, I thought he just looked a bit faster. And in the NFL, he looks very sluggish. I don't know, like you know, he's but he's just strong. He's very tough. Good route. You know, he's he's developed a little bit as a route runner too. Uh, He could play outside, and he showed he could play outside in the NFL. Uh, And and people thought he was going to have problems translating to the nfl because he never really played on the outside in college he played a few games on the outside in college and he actually played pretty well there but to be honest the reason why he didn't play on the outside in college was that he had other guys there who were really good players who played on the outside so wanted to stick them in the slot and give them a lot of good matchups and that's how they utilized him in college this isn't like one of those situations and he's turned into a good player in the nfl um i think he might end up getting a lot of uh Upward push because he had a really good end of the year. I'm not, I, we'll talk about fantasy. I'm starting, you know, I, I've said multiple times I've been working on my wide receiver ranks. Um, and we will probably by the end of June have full releases of all the ranks and everything. Uh, that's what I'm shooting for. Is July 4th, right before July 4th, you're going to get all my ranks. That's what I'm shooting for, everybody. Uh, offensive line, right? They uh, had signed, you know, they have Saffold, Jones, and Nate Davis. Penciled in for their interior uh, Saffold was a really good pickup For them, and he's played really well And honestly, you can kind of see what happened with the Rams When they lost Saffold, they've kind of been bleh. Uh, uh Ben Jones has been pretty good for him. Nate Davis, now you're going to get to see If he really is going to be what they thought they were getting When they drafted him last year I think he can be a good player uh, Isaiah Wilson, Dennis Kelly Are competing for the right tackle spot And then Taylor Luwan, man Gotta love Taylor Lewan and he's playing left tackle for him. I think he solidifies that offensive line. He's probably one of the—he's definitely in the upper echelons of the tackle department. So, as far as their O-line goes, still a pretty good offensive line. I, I feel a little bit more worried about the right tackle spot and missing a big piece from— you know, I, I'm big about consistency in certain areas. That's one of those places I love consistency. And seeing that there's a little bit of turnover, specifically at a particular spot on, on a team— But they played well when Dennis Kelly played, when Jack Conklin couldn't play at the beginning of the year. Um, I'm intrigued. I want to see how they they shore up the offensive line, right? Um, Also, the receiving room, outside of Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, it's, you know, Adam Humphreys and guys whose names you've probably never heard of. You know, uh, Khalif Raymond, Cody Hollister, Cameron Batson, guys who – you're probably going like, oh, okay. So guys who I've never heard of, and, and yeah, that's kind of true. It's kind of guys who you're not expecting to really be big contributors. Um, they did run a lot of play action. I think they're expecting a bit more out of uh, John U. Smith. They, uh, I, I kind of like what I, I've seen from this team so far. They're going to play, you know, hard nosed run game. Uh, you know, running back room outside Derrick Henry. You know, they got Dawkins, Senior Rice, Petty. They signed. And again, Darrington Evans, who they drafted. So behind Henry, there's a lot of pieces there. They're really relying on Derek Henry carrying this team with his, you know, giant, you know, giant body. Uh, he could probably carry the team. I'm just not quite sure in that that method. I think he could just literally just carry them physically. Uh, offensively, I, I'm. I think this is a team that might be looking at a regression. It's, it, they might have tied themselves to a couple of horses that I think might not have been the right picks. I personally, giving you my example of this, I probably would have hit Tannehill with the franchise tag, let Henry Walk sign Conklin. And that's just kind of how my methodology is when I attack a position. I totally get that there are different choices that other you know people make. There's other strategies. They felt like their strategy was the better one. We'll see how that pans out. Let's go to their defense, right? They, uh, like I said before, they got rid of uh, Jarrell Casey. Uh, They got Crawford. They've got Simmons. They got Daquan Jones. They got Isaiah Mack. Uh, You know, Jan Brown, Vic Beasley, Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans, uh, Kamali Correa. I, I, I like the front seven. I'm not in love with it, but I like it a lot. Right, Simmons. I was a really big fan of his game last year coming out the coming out of college. And uh, again, like I said before, he he's played pretty well in the NFL. Uh, Vic Beasley. We'll see if he can kind of get a, a recouping of his career. Uh, Howard Landry, when he's been healthy, has played pretty well. Uh, Kamala Correa just couldn't crack. A, a very deep offensive uh, outside linebacker room when he was in Baltimore, and he's played pretty well as a as a good, you know for a fourth round pick who was traded away. He's played pretty well for the Titans, and he's kind of like a good part of their depth for their outside linebacking core. He's not a special outside linebacker; he's decent. So, and then you have Jan Brown, who's played really well. David Long, who was a draft pick last year. Uh, Rashawn Evans, who again last year you know, was a draft pick a year or two ago. Uh, two years ago, yeah, it was uh, same same draft as Harold Landry. They took him and Harold Landry back to back. He's been uh, solid for them. So their their front seven, I think, is good. I don't know. There's nothing like the the. There's not like a particular spot that I say I feel special about, but I feel good about it. Um, on their back end, right? They got Kenny Vaccaro, Kevin Byard, uh, Amari uh, Amani Hooker, who they drafted last year. Their safety room is actually pretty good. I'm very intrigued with it. Imani Hooker might kind of play like a safety linebacker hybrid at certain points. Uh, they got a Dory Jackson, Malcolm Butler. We talked about Fulton and Jonathan Joseph. Uh, They also have Ty Smith. They have a couple of good pieces there. So they're really kind of shore up that back end area. They're hoping Fulton and Joseph kind of pan out. Uh, Joseph, if he has to be the stopgap veteran starter. And then Fulton, you hope he develops into a particular role on that, that back end. Butler... Got injured last year as well, so you're hoping Butler's going to be healthy this year. Adoree Jackson's been great for them. I honestly think Adoree Jackson's been amazing for them, and I was not the highest guy on Adoree Jackson when he came out. So, egg on my face, Adoree Jackson was a great pick and ended up being the the better of their first-round picks as far as how he's turned out for them. I think the Titans are in a very interesting division because it's hard to figure out who's going to win that division out of those three out of those four teams, right? Get the Texans, the Colts, and uh, the Jags. I, I mean, the Jags probably won't, right? Jags are kind of in list lose mode, but again, man, the Titans and Titans could easily take it, the Colts could take it if Phillip Rivers has a good time there, and then the Texans, like you know, they're I'm very questionable about their defense. Uh, I'm very questionable about Bill O'Brien's, you know, management of that, of the roster. But overall, like, that, that's a team that any given, you know, I, they could easily, you know, Deshaun Watson can wield them to the power. I, uh, I, I, I'm I very intrigued to see how this team goes. I think they can re- try and recreate what they did last year. I think it's going to be a step back. I just, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll be great. I, I, I might be entirely wrong on this. I probably will be. Uh, and, and now let's move on to the Jets. Yeah, the New York Jets. All my friends are Jets fans. I think like I, 80% of them and I haven't polled them all. Um, we do have some other fans. But the Jets, right? Take flight. And, uh, you know, Sam Darnold and uh, now the new GM, Joe Douglas, walks into the room. He's like, you know what? We need to fix this stuff. We have a lot of things we got to fix. So what do they do? They go into free agency, they sign. George Fant, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks, they signed Connor McGovern, formerly of the Denver Broncos, Greg Van Roten, uh, you know, formerly of the Panthers, and they re-signed Alex Lewis to keep him there. They kept Brian Winters for the time being. They let Kelvin Beachum walk. They said we don't need you no more. Brandon Shell walked. He went over actually to the Seahawks. They just swapped tackles, and uh, they still have Chuma Adoga. So they they attacked the offensive line in free agency. They uh, they lost Robbie Anderson. He went to Carolina for a two-year, ten million dollar deal, and they decided to replace him with Rashad Perriman, former Baltimore Raven, former Cleveland Brown, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, for a one-year, eight million dollar deal. I think that's actually not bad. I think that's kind of uh, they're very similar players between him and Robinson. So that was probably a good trade-off there. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they uh, if you know, uh, Rob, Robbie Anderson was a, uh, I I don't know if Robbie Anderson is that much better than him, that he's a... But but I also don't think the difference on those contracts was that much. I have seen it from Robbie Anderson a lot more, right? Like, we've seen spots where Perriman looked good. He looked pretty good last year at the end of the year for the Buccaneers. We saw him play pretty well for the, the Browns at certain points. Uh, and he was also a midseason addition for the Browns. We've seen Robbie Anderson be way more than than just, like, spots of explosion. We've seen him play really well. Uh, but I, I understand that you're like, you know what? Uh, also, it takes two to tango, right? They didn't transition tag him. They didn't franchise tag him. So it was up to him if he wanted to re-sign. And he got to go down to Carolina and sign up with his old you know uh, college coach, Matt Rule. I really can't blame him. He had a really, you know, if you, I watched the Matt Rule presser, he had a really big relationship with Matt Rule, and he was, they, they were very close even into his NFL career. So it made sense that he went to Carolina, and that's where he decided to go. Brashaw Perriman, good pickup for him. So let's talk about the draft, right? Uh, still, I feel like receiver and uh, an offensive line were definitely needs that this roster needed to fill out. So what do they do? First pick in the first round, 11th, you know, 11th overall. They take Mackay Becton out of Louisville. Uh, dude, he is big. Uh, you heard it all the time. This is a guy who was like, he was the the flash fry guy, right? Everybody was talking about him all off season. That, uh, you know, you, you look at him, he, you know, the guy who's this big shouldn't be able to move the way he moves. I talked about it before with Isaiah Wilson. They're both big guys, but the movement skills that Mackay Becton shows are pretty impressive. Uh, the problem with Mackay Becton is he played for Louisville, and if you kind of if you don't know much about Louisville's offense, you're not running a lot of pro pass sets, right? You're not getting to see him in you know seven step drops, which you know you're not seeing him even in a lot of five step drops. It's a lot of options. It's a lot of uh, you know uh, you know QB sneaks, read options, not QB sneaks, but uh, screen passes. Uh, the running, you know, they use a lot of run game, and he was great in the run game. Uh, but again, like true pass sets, seeing how he's going to be as a pass protector in the NFL, it's kind of hit or miss. Now he, I will say this, he's got great bend and great, uh, uh, for a guy, his size. Uh, I think he is going to be fine. I don't know if he's going to be a high end pass protector. He's going to be a high end run blocker. He's going to, I think he has the ability to be a very good pass protector or at least decent pass protector. Um, of um, the guys in the the first round, he was the one I was probably not necessarily as hyped on because again, you didn't really get to see him do a lot in pass pro. Now, again, you, it, you develop right, and there are traits you see on the field. His footwork's pretty good. Uh, if he doesn't get knocked back, if he stay, if he's the one on the attack, he plays really well. Uh, the second he kind of gets underneath himself, he you know uh, he can kind of get beat. He he's a hard guy to get around though. When you're that big and you're that long, you're you're buying time, right? You are big enough to buy time. And again, uh, you know, three uh, well above 300 pounds, giant dude, uh, a mountain of a man. They loved him. Uh, you know, uh, he you know he, he was uh first thing that popped out to them on tape. Obviously, he was a giant amongst boys. His size. Uh, you watch him move, you watch his bend, kind of like I was saying before. Uh, he's got heavy hands, moves people off their feet. Like I said, really good in the run game. Uh, last season, he was in a new offense. He played, And before that, he used to play left and right tackle on different plays. When he got to finally play a full year at one side, which was last year, he played really well and settled in. Uh, one of the things that I noticed when I was paying attention to offensive linemen who had comments about uh, guys coming out and, Uh, is when they scout guys, they like guys, you know, they played other sports. They liked guys, a tackle, who played basketball. And I think this was actually, I believe this was a Ross Tucker thing. It might have been Ross Tucker. It might have been uh, 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 Joe Thomas. But one of the, I believe it was Ross Tucker, who said, if it's a tackle i want if he played another sport i prefer the guys who play basketball because their movement skills are kind of what you would be doing if you play defense playing basketball if you're talking about a guy who has a wrestling background those guys kind of fit better for guard and uh and that was kind of i think he was talking about the difference between mckay beckton and uh, uh tristan wirfs so uh you know this is a guy who played basketball in high school and you know uh, this game is, you know, Joe Douglas said, one and loss in the trenches. They attacked it hard. They had a lot of issues last year on the offensive line. Uh, their center was, a, you know, they did not have a good center. They had to get a Khalil Mack out of retirement. Not Khalil Mack. Uh, uh, Ryan Khalil out of retirement. He didn't play very well for him. Uh, you know, and, and they let Kelvin Beecham walk. So they're they're kind of in a situation where they're like, you know what, we needed to get something in here to work. They went with a, a few guys that they, they thought were – potential, you know, you know, dart throws and in the interior offensive line department. They still have Brian uh Brian Winters for right now. Maybe they keep him, maybe they release him and go after a guy uh like Larry Warford. Uh right tackle situation, you know, it looks like it might be Fant or Adoga attack, uh, going for a right tackle. So, again, I think that they've they they made a decision to go out offensive line this offseason and go at it hard. Uh a lot of a lot of questions though, right? Uh, no true elite guys on this line uh, a couple of guys have played more recently have played pretty well you know slightly average to slightly above average you know with Roten and uh McGovern and then winters has not played very well for them Lewis has kind of been more of a high-end backup kind of guy and you know maybe he's second year there might be able to to gel a little bit more you know they got him I think it was relatively late when they traded for him so now you might get a chance to let him gel in there. Uh, you have kind of your set guys, and you're going to see how this goes forward. Fant, I was not a big fan of the Fant signing, but again, they've attacked this offensive line. Let's move forward, right? You know, they went ahead, they they drafted, you know, they this was an amazing part of their draft. They were their second-round pick. They traded down. They got an extra third-rounder from the Seahawks to you know, uh, pick 101. To, to trade down, to pick 59, and they end up still getting a guy who I think a lot of people would have liked if they took him high in the second round, which was Denzel Mims at a Baylor, right? Uh, you know, Joe Douglas, I'm going to go off with Joe Douglas said, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on the guy because I watched his tape as well. Joe Douglas said, you know, it was a long, smooth receiver, good hands, good catch radius, excellent speed, smooth control mover, doesn't realize how fast he's moving sometimes, like when you're watching him. Uh, he's mobile and uh, he helped set himself. Par- oh yeah! Ha- oh mobile. Yeah, he ha- helped set himself part in mobile. Sorry, looking at my notes. God dang it! Because I'm trying to remember what they were talking about. And Gay said, you know, he showed ability to track the ball, deep ball, can play above the rim. He's a big, fast target with the ability to play uh, outside with his frame. And, and not for nothing, all those things are true. I actually liked his tape. He was a fun guy to watch. I don't think he's li- so. People were comparing him to uh, his fall to the fall of DK Metcalf last year. I did not see the level of speed that, like, again, like, you know, they both ran the four threes, but DK Metcalf just showed some legit. Like, I, I was not worried about DK Metcalf's translation when he was coming out last year. I think the bigger worry for a lot of teams was injury. Uh, Mims, so listen, Mims did show a little bit that he can. You know, playing at Baylor, it's a system where you're not getting to see them play a lot of, you know, do a lot of, uh, see a wide route tree. Went to the Senior Bowl, kind of got to show off his route running chops, uh, got to show off, like, him going up against press. But keep in mind, a lot of the corners at the Senior Bowl were not high-end corners either. But he was showing that maybe he has at least the technique to be able to pull it off. He showed a lot of good catches at the Senior Bowl. Uh, a lot of good ability, and again, he showed off his route running skills as well. So I'm not saying he there's a, he's a bad receiver. I'm saying the the reason why he fell to 59, kind of it, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't a horrible reason to think that he should be at 59. I, I think he's going to end up being a really good player in the NFL. I think that he went kind of in the right spot. A lot of these day two guys end up being a lot better than the day one guys. So for them I think this is perfect you get a big outside receiver you got Brashad Perriman Jamison Crowder I think is going to be kind of the leader in this receiving core this year but I think the other two guys there are are going to be beneficial uh to what they want to do you know those two guys are going to go ahead and take the top off the defense be able to to body out guys I I think again your receiving core now not amazing but definitely intriguing. Very, and I keep using the word intriguing, but it is an intriguing receiving core. It is a very, uh, you know, you have two guys who show size and speed uh, ability. And then Jamison Crowder is really good at getting open. Very good hands. And he's shown, you know, he's gotten a year with the rapport of uh, of Sam Darnold. If you're playing fantasy this year, man, Jamison Crowder is going to be a guy I would target. You know, uh, it's it been very good for some people in fantasy. Um, they're not worried about his route tree. They think he'll be able to come in and pick it up quickly. Uh, they're going to take advantage of what he knows. You know, they, they're going to put guys. You know, they have their guys line up all over the place. He also had a big question with drops, right? Those are the two main question marks, right? Route tree and then a couple of drops. Um, when you are looking at drops, you want to see if they're concentration drops. Are they? Is it like a hand strength issue? Is it? Is it something he's just never going to be good at? or is it something that he can work on and I think they feel that he's going to be fine you know again maybe his concentration drops you have a guy up in your face uh you're you know you're not you're not able to kind of and also drops are one of those things that doesn't always translate it's not like fumbles where guys who fumbled in college really does tra- like almost it's it's strange how the fumble rate translates to the NFL. It doesn't as much translate into as far as drops go. So I'm not as worried about it. And you have to kind of see why is it going on. Is it bad technique? Is it that they're you know is it concentration? And then the the real worry that I have is something that I picked up from Andrew Hawkins is that just some guys don't have like you starting out. It's like your your hand strength, your ability of doing it. So, for instance, you and I start playing football, right? And, uh, we, you know, we're like, oh, we both want to be receivers right now. Our our hand strength is probably not the level of, of an NFL receiver, but we can get it to a certain point. And then at that certain point, you would know if the, that guy's going to be a wide receiver in the NFL and be able to handle drops, is, or he's going to have drop issues or not, right? Probably wouldn't be able to do the rest of it, but maybe or maybe not we will figure out if we can catch a ball to an NFL level. So... I understand why that would be a concern for some. Um, I don't. It doesn't sound like it's a concern for the Jets. So maybe they believe that the drops are not really much of an issue. And Like I said before, drops are not a translatable trait. Sometimes you have to see why they're doing it. Uh, with uh, the next pick, they take Ashton Davis out of Cal. Man, this guy is fun, man. He's, he's going to be a free safety for them. They're probably not keeping Marcus May next year. I think they're going to keep Jamal Adams. I think they will get an extension done with him. Uh, I think there was a little bit of, uh, as of just as, as of today, before I recorded this, they were talking about how, uh, how Jamal Adams, you know, Joe Douglas doesn't want to extend Jamal Adams right now with two years left on the contract. I think that's a mistake. I think that is a mistake, and I'll tell you why. It's not not the stupid thing of, like, oh, well, he's a player. He's been good. You should reward him. It's not that. You think this guy's going to be on your team for the long term, right? You have him under the rookie contract. You currently have leverage and negotiating power to get a deal done that might be beneficial to the Jets in cap space as far as the amount you give him as far as the amount of guarantees given to him so in the long run i would much rather pay him now and lock him up year 3 of his deal like when you were allowed to do it because yes you have him under the fifth year option but that just gives you more leverage to leverage a better deal in the long term and then he will again not he won't be holding there's no risk of him holding out at that point there's no risk of there being a problem um, there's no risk of him being a problem in the locker room. Although he he's been a leader for them, he's been the exact opposite. I think he's a very good player for them. I don't think they're trading him. I think that's BS. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think. A. I don't think teams are really eager to pay, you know, uh, a safety at the end of his uh, rookie deal. You know, they're not looking to pay a, a high draft pick to the level that the Jets would probably be wanting to get for Jamal Adams. In response to, unless, you know, they really felt like, hey, this is the one piece that makes our team like a second rounder or something, which I don't know if the Jets would even take. So I don't even know as far as what they would take for him and what a team would be willing to give up. I think he's a really good player. It depends on how you feel about him in your defense, especially safety being a very scheme specific thing. He is a very, I do think he universally translates. I think you can find a role for him in any defense but and I don't know why I'm talking about Jamal Adams. I guess because we were talking about, you know, we, we were going to talk about his fifth-year option, which did get picked up, and we are talking about Ashton Davis, right? Uh, they love his versatility. He can play high, can play low, single-high safety, can play in the box. I think he's going to be more single-high for them. He's going to be more free safety. This is the guy that, you know, I know Greg Williams's defense. He loves to play one guy really far off the line of scrimmage, like all the way back in Kentucky, even though he's playing in New York. You know they have a guy. Basically, if you're watching a game, uh, you know in uh, MetLife Stadium, Ashton Davis is actually over in Queens when they're playing. Like that's where he's going to be playing. He's going to be lined up all the way across the Hudson River. Uh, but again, still I, I like Ashton Davis. I think he's kind of what they needed for that defense to really work. That's uh, that's what Greg Williams likes. He did that with Demarius Randall. He liked that single high free safety kind of cover three press man look, and now you have Jamal. Adams near the box. You can run a three safety look with Marcus May. Maybe you. I think they are interested in trading Marcus May. I don't think you're going to get a lot from Marcus May. So it might just be better to have him and let him walk in free agency and see what happens. And you can run a three safety setup and play nickel linebacker with uh, Jamal Adams. So I think there's a lot they can do with this safety core. I really like Ashton Davis. Um, they mentioned that he, uh, you know, you play him over receivers. They has versatility. Um and they feel good about what he brings to their back four and their back seven. I I totally agree. I like that pick. I like their first three picks a lot. Like, honestly, I think that this was one of those teams that universally got a lot of praise for their first three picks. Even if you weren't super high in a particular one, like, you know, Makai Becton, I think there were question marks there. I probably would have taken Tristan Wirfs, but I could totally understand why somebody would take Beckton Becton. Um, and some teams felt like uh, Tristan Wirfs was a guard, not a tackle um denzel mims there were question marks about his game all these guys that they drafted even the guys in free agency if they all hit it's going to be gold if half of them hit it's still going to be pretty good if none of them hit it's going to look like a train wreck and there is some volatility to the guys that they signed both in free agency and in the draft especially with these first three picks you know ashton davis um might be the only one that i think I don't have a lot of worries about. I think there's some injury concerns with him. That was really the big worry with him, keeping him on the field. So, you know, there is some risk, but, dude, when you look at that team and what they've they, how much they've gotten better with those three guys and how a lot of people, including myself, felt about those three players, it, they got so much better. They also had a, another third round pick. They took Javari Zaniga out of Florida. Uh, they like his explosiveness, his suddenness. It tr- jumps off tape. Um, played through an injury. Uh, very good play strength, had a 16% pressure rate, according to their metrics, um, and he's versatile. He could rush from different spots, play on, uh, play as a 3-4 ed- uh, edge, could, uh, uh, defensive end, could play edge, outlets, uh, linebacker. So they like how they can move him around the formation. If they were going to, you know, you don't know, maybe Greg Williams will switch back to a 4-3 because he likes doing that, but it seems like their scheme still fits very much. Like, their player personnel fits a 3-4, I think they were the was a good pickup for him. Uh, you know, they they needed again another edge presence there. It's kind of been they take a lot of these third round picks on edge. You got to take a shot on it, especially for if you're the Jets. They uh, they I I think that was a very smart move on their end as far as again just you know Zuniga. You know, you could stick him – uh, you know all around that line you got uh you're going to play around with Quinn and Williams you're going to play around with a lot of the guys you already have on the roster and now you're just getting a rotation of guys um then they traded out of their their extra third round pick that they th- uh, the one that uh they got from the Seahawks they traded out of that and got an extra fourth round pick from the New England Patriots right and they got LaMichael P. Ryan out of Florida um I actually kind of like this tape he kind of reminded me of Bilal Powell to be honest Not a high-end guy, but he's not. He can do everything. He could do everything to like basically a replacement level to league average level. Um, I think he'll be on the team for years on end. He might be on the team longer than Le'Veon Bell will be on the team. Uh, He is a good pass catcher, decent pass blocker, Uh, solid runner, but he's not spectacular. Kind of like just a regular Ham and Egger kind of guy. Like you, this is the guy who. If you have at least this guy on your roster and you have everything else working really well, you will be fine. But he is not adding a particular dynamic element. Like I said before, very much like Bilal Powell, if you're a Jets fan, you know who Bilal Powell is. Uh because he played for you guys, I think forever. I think he's like I think he's still on your team. Like he, he's I think he just has now a he has like a permanent spot on the roster. He's not even on the team, but he's on the team. Like he, he hangs out in the locker room. They're like, Why are you still here? And he's just like, I live here now. This is where I live. I live in the Jets locker room. I am the official mascot of the Jets. I just moved to another position in the facility. So, I like Michael Piron, solid pick in the 4th round. Uh then they went ahead and they drafted uh James Morgan out of FIU. This is going to be more of a developmental backup guy. Um I don't think they really believe David Thales is going to be that big of a uh, of uh, a guy for them as far as a potential backup starter kind of guy. I know he's tight with Adam Gase. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. They like him. They spent a lot of time with him at the Combine. Big, strong arm. Has all the tools. They need a depth at quarterback. He has outstanding leadership. He's a big kid. He's extremely intelligent. They really liked him. I don't hate the idea of taking a, a backup quarterback when you're on day three. I thought it was weird because, like, I don't know, between him and then the next guy, uh, one of the other guys that they take, uh, well, I guess the puncher's in the sixth round, so that's not too bad. Uh, I... I kind of felt like I was a okay pick. I wasn't totally sold out on it. I thought it was fine. I uh, you know, again like uh, it, there's two ways to look at it when you take a dra- uh, when you look at backup quarterbacks, you can kind of do what basically Adam Gase did last year basically. Well, I don't know if they really did last year, but how they treated it last year a little bit when Darnold went down and Simeon went down was basically just played like you were screwed anyway. I don't think that's going to be the case going into this year. I don't think they're going to let him do that this year. So Morgan is a lot better than Falk. So, you know, you're not running the risk of having to play Luke Falk this year. Um, Either way, I think they like him. I kind of – I dig the pickup. And, again, like, you want a guy who's going to be cheap on your roster to be a long-term player who can maybe be a long-term backup and, you know, adds to that QB room. Uh, They also had another fourth-round pick. They took Cameron Clark out of Charlotte. Taking shots at offensive line, uh, they they loved you know he's a leader in his program, loved the, ca- the capacity and mentality. Um, he's got grit, strives to finish every play. Uh, was a high school all American at, at center. His flexibility, his versatility. Uh, and again, now you know they're trying to fill out their roster. You know you need a backup center, right? This is actually a very smart move. A team that had horrible center problems now goes ahead and uh, attacks another position that they really needed and fills out the depth on the roster, right? Takes a fourth rounder on a guy who they look at as a potential interior offensive lineman. And hopefully between the guys they have on the roster, maybe somebody else who might be a late free agent ad, and then the guys who they have there, it might be a really good offensive line. They're getting some real depth out of this position. And it's an important position. They've made a decision to attack it multiple times in multiple ways. This is a very smart move. They took Bryce Hall out of Virginia in the fifth round. Uh, this is a guy people were talking about on day two of this draft, and he fell all the way to round five. He slipped because he had an ankle injury, but they love the length. They love the ball skills. Uh, they felt sh- you know, very strong about him. His- their doctors feel good about him and uh, where he is now with the communication they have with them. Uh, he'll be ready to play a role by you know the start of the season. Uh, he led this the s- – the- in uh he led the college football in, with past breakups in 2018 got injured in 2019 uh he's got good size good ball skills this is a, this is a position they needed and they got a guy really late and again and you see it the way that they attack that position too because they also trade for Quincy Wilson from the Colts a guy who was a second round pick a few years ago and they also tr- they signed uh Pierre toze so those the, again they are finding different ways to attack positions we look at this you either attack it with bulk, like, sign some guys who are cheaper, Pierre Desir, uh, trade for Quincy Wilson, who's kind of like a guy who's kind of on the outs over in uh, in Indianapolis. You draft a guy who's falling in the draft who has high upside with Bryce Hall. Uh, and then you have, you know, you, ha- you re-sign Brian Poole, a guy who you liked what you got from him last year. And uh, between those guys, it looks like they are going to be able to get something out of their cornerback room that's not going to be total junk. Because you can probably get another good year out of Pierre Desir. You could probably get another good year out of Brian Poole uh, out of Bryce Hall if you get him to develop out of uh, Quincy Wilson. You know, unfortunately, you know, he just didn't work out in Indianapolis. So uh, they also took uh, punter Brandon Mann. Uh, They really liked him. He was really productive. He's a punter. Uh, I don't do a lot of punting news and discussions um, I was talking before about like the trade downs, right? They made a lot of trades in this draft. They got a lot of picks. I like what Joe Douglas did with that. I like accumulating picks. I like you know trying to uh, to attack a position and try to get it right. Uh, they apparently had a potential deal for, with the Denver Broncos to trade down in the third round with the Falcon, uh, but unfortunately the Falcons screwed that up. The stupid dang Falcons. Yeah, they went ahead. They uh, the Falcons took Matt Hennessy right before uh, the Jets pick. And so the Jets decided to not trade down because they couldn't trade down because the Denver Broncos wanted Matt Hennessy, and instead ended up having to settle for uh, Lloyd Cushenberry later on. Intriguing decision, though, because those are not necessarily you know similar centers. But again, it shows that the Jets were wheeling and dealing in this draft, and they constantly wanted to accumulate picks. Joe Douglas comes from the Philadelphia Eagles, but he also comes from the Ravens, and the Ravens did this a lot over the years, right? Smart move. Try to build up depth. Try to attack and get more and more of a out of a position. Uh, I, I thought this was a very smart... I, I like Joe Douglas. I was a big fan of Joe Douglas going there. Um, I understand having questions with Gase. Uh, you hope that Gase ends up being better than where he's been in past spots. Uh, if not, he doesn't work out, then you better be ready to go ahead and move on from him next year because you were kind of in that weird... You know, at the end of Sam Darnold's contract situation, so um, DB room is interesting, right? You got Pool, Ashton Davis, Jamal Adams, Marcus May, Pierre Dizier, Bryce Hall, Quincy Wilson. Um, I, I like that 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 corner room. I thought that was amazing, right? Uh, we talked about the guys they lost: Robbie Anderson, Brandon Shell, uh, Quincy, and Nunwa was placed on the reserve pup list. So, and, and basically, they were they're they're not gonna be using him this year. They basically have kicked him to the curb as well as Josh Bellamy, I believe. Uh, They did pick up the fifth-year option on Jamal Adams. Uh, After the draft, they signed Joe Flacco and Frank Gore, you know, a couple of aging guys. Again, they are not letting – they are not going to let Adam Gase – uh, make an excuse this year, right? Oh, my guy was injured. All right, fine. Now, grant Joe Flacco might not be ready for Week One. He's been, uh, you know, he's been dealing with an injury and recovery from uh, surgery for neck surgery. But you know, you hope that he's ready by maybe week, week Three or Four. But he should be able to pick up a playbook, and you should be able to win a couple of games with Joe Flacco if Sam Darnold goes down. If there is a problem. Uh, they also, you know, they and they signed him for a relatively cheap contract. I think the maximum he can make on the deal is $3 million, million. Uh, You know, between, I think that means that David Thales is going to eventually be on his way out of that team. Uh, you know, like mentioned before, Connor McGovern, Greg Van Roten. Uh, they re-sign Alex Lewis. They signed Brashad Perriman. Uh, Frank Gore is, you know, I don't know. He likes Adam Gase. Adam Gase loves him. They're best buddies. Apparently, they vacation together in Maui every couple of years. That was a joke. That's not real. Um, They re-signed Jamie Burgess. They re-signed Jordan Jenkins. So, their, their free agency moves were to attack positions of weakness. Now, they still have issues as far as pass rush goes. You're not going to get a lot pass rush-wise. I honestly think... The, the best move that they did in the last year and a half was fire Mike McCagnin, and the, you could see that Joe Douglas is undoing all the problems that Mike McCagnin created. And with that, I'm kind of like, I, I'm very intrigued with what this team... Uh, dude, I use the word intrigue too much. I got to remember to stop using the word intrigue. That's going to be the note on this podcast. Um, but I do. I like what this team has, right? Uh, Tight end room is kind of fun right? You got Ryan Griffin and Chris Herndon I like both those guys I thought they both showed a lot of potential the last two years Herndon had a suspension and some injuries Uh, Griffin's played pretty well for him while he's been there Jamison Crowder we mentioned before They also signed Josh Doxon Who I forgot about Uh, Former first round pick out of Washington McStider's team Uh, They they have Jamison Crowder They got Brashad Perriman They got Josh Malone uh, you know, and Braxton Berrios. Braxton Barrios is an intriguing one as well. Stop saying intriguing. You you silly duck you. Uh intriguing, if you will. Uh no, but Braxton Barrios is a guy who kind of was, you know, Ryan Switzer kind of player esque. Uh, uh so they might get something out of him that or uh, Cole Beasley kind of guy. So uh you know, small slot kind of guy. I, I think that they might use a more special teams player, but again, like their receiving core nothing special but i think they can get something out of josh doxson right they don't have everybody else in this team although there's a lot of size right josh doxson brashad perman and denzel mims all a lot of size to those guys um keep in mind josh doxson was in washington so he really didn't get and there was a lot of turnover changes at quarterback they just didn't really get to see like he didn't get to hit his full potential he's going to be an intriguing red zone weapon again i said that um but, no, he, there were a couple of games where he flashed in the red zone. And, in fact, that was really his best spot was in the red zone. Um, I mentioned before the offensive line. Makai Becton, Alex Lewis, Connor McGovern, Greg Van Roten, Chuma Adoga, uh, George Fent, uh, Brian Winters. Uh, they they seem very much like they are trying to churn the offensive line and eventually get something good out of it. I think there is not a lot of excuses, like, for any – like. The excuse is there. It's the excuse that, you know, these guys are – there's no star, right? There's no true star outside of Le'Veon Bell, which you can win without stars. We've seen it. We saw the, the, the San Francisco 49ers offense win without stars last year. What was the star in the San Francisco 49ers? Emmanuel Sanders, who they trade for midseason? All right, maybe that. Um, but there's a lot of good pieces here. Let's talk about their defense. Henry Anderson's still there. Uh, Steve McClendon, Quinn Williams—that makes up their, their the front three. Honestly, I like all three of those guys. I think Quinn and Williams is going to take a step forward. He he showed again. I think it was it comes down to uh, what Greg Williams is asking Quinn and Williams to do. I maybe think that he's not being utilized to his full potential. You know, I he's not what you want as far as a two gap guy. You want him being a, a one gap rusher. Go try and get after you know, what he sees in the backfield. You don't want him being responsible for multiple gaps. You want him getting after the quarterback. You want him getting into the backfield. You don't need him to kind of be like, oh, he's not a nose tackle. You want him to be shooting gaps. And when they did that with him, at the, you know, when they didn't have any pass rushers, that's what uh, Greg Williams had him do at the end of the year, and he played pretty well doing that. So I uh, I, I think Quentin Williams was, is going to end up showing a little bit more. Uh, Jabari Zaniga, C.J. Mosley, Avery Williamson... Uh Jordan Jenkins. You know, they're gonna have a good rotation as far as CJ Mosley, they didn't even get to see anything from this. Is another holdover from the McCagnon years. Fifteen million dollar a year linebacker, not a single linebacker this year got anywhere near that. So that just shows you McCannan's McCannanius ishness. Um James Burgess. I have they have him listed as a as a linebacker. All right. That works. Um they also have uh, Pierre Dazir, Jamal Adams, Marcus May. Uh, I don't know who this Blisson-Austin guy is, but apparently he plays for you jets It's the one guy I didn't even know they had on their roster, but they have him. Uh, ESPN has him set for being a starter. Uh, I thought it would be Brian Poole or Quincy Wilson, but we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Arthur Malay, uh, Bryce Hall, Jamal Adams, Marcus May. Uh, dude, the defensive backs, that, that back four, that – that back seven area is going to be very fun i like this team um i think they're going to utilize cj mosley more in a uh, you know kind of a blitzer kind of quarterback the defense kind of role uh kind of like actually when greg williams was in cleveland he kind of used joe Schobert a similar way kind of be the quarterback of the defense uh jamal adams kind of be the strong safety but also nickel backer role as well dude you guys are going to be fine i think that you know it's gonna be weird. I think it's a team that uh there's not a piece on it that you go oh, this is a star right but there's a lot of good things here like if this team went nine and seven right uh ten and six, I wouldn't be shocked right because there's a lot of pieces that are very underrated very like they're average pieces, but if you utilize them correctly, I think you can get a lot out of these guys. I think the one risk I, the one failure I see with this is a lot of guys are also very risky. Like I said before, Becton and a couple of other guys. There's some risk to those guys, and there might be some, you know, growth and learning curve with it, especially with COVID-19 being an issue. Um, you know, this offensive line has gotten zero chances to gel. So I do see a lot of risk with this team, but I see a very good future for them. So I'm, I want to see Sam Darnold succeed. I like Sam Darnold. I, I kinda you know, I want I have a lot of friends who are Jets Jets fans. I'm rooting for them to succeed as well. Uh again, if you want, you can follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life. Punch like a thing you do to people's grandmas when you're out on the street and you're playing hockey. And uh again, like, follow, subscribe, rate, leave a review. Uh comment when I woke up this morning I was feeling pretty dangerous I'm about the person about the people.